1: Life, culture, and current events from a biblical perspective.
0: 2020 on Vision. As we do on a Monday, we love to check in with the Australian Christian Lobby. Martin Isles is the managing director of the ACL. Martin, welcome back to 2020. G'day, Neil. Good to be back. Martin, let's start with one I know that so many listeners are captivated by. Israel Folau, he might be on the other side of the world, but his absence hasn't dimmed impressions from clubs and from football fans about his ability to play football. And ACL has launched a campaign called Let Him Play to ask the NRL and rugby clubs to let Israel Folau play rugby again in Australia. Uh, What's your thought around uh, the possibilities here?
1: Well, uh, the truth is that Israel was overseas but because of uh, a health issue in the family, um, not, not his immediate family but his extended family, he and Maria and their son have come back to Australia and of course he's here now and uh, therefore the opportunity presents for him to play in uh, the, one of the football codes here in Australia. And it turns out that he's fairly interested to play in the NRL. He's uh, open to the possibility. Uh, And the coaches of several clubs desperately want him. Uh, Some of the boards desperately want him. And there are a few teams where all of the players or most of the players desperately want him. But in the background, where people can't see... They're all having terrible trouble because the NRL simply refuses to have him. Uh, indeed, it seems that the NRL is basically saying to the clubs, don't you dare even ask, because if the NRL is seen to publicly say uh, to a specific request from a club that he can't play, then they could be on the hook for a lawsuit Um, and uh, that's so sad to me because the NRL has convicted criminals, they've got wife bashers. they've got uh, cheaters, they've got drug users, they've got thieves, they've got vandals. Some of these players have got criminal convictions against their name, have been charged with serious wrongdoing, but there has been a way back. There has been a pathway for them to be restored to the game. Uh, But, of course, in Israel's case, he's done absolutely nothing wrong from a criminal point of view. He's broken no rules of the game. Contrary to popular statements in the media at the time, he never breached his contract, uh, and yet he's not allowed back. Uh, And so we thought, look, what's missing from this picture? Probably a bit of people power. And so we've started a campaign, and it's at lethimplay.com. We've had over 10,000 people in just a few days uh, send uh, a message to the NRL and the various NRL clubs around Australia, and you can do that online just by filling in the form. Uh, And over 10,000 people have done that. We've also had a lot of people show up at NRL games with great big banners that say, where's Izzy, let him play, and people can see some of that on our social media. Uh, But see, we would love to get that people power really amplified just a bit more. Uh, And let and and put that pressure on the NRL because you never know. Uh, They might just find, look, the people want it and they may relent. And so that's sort of what we're working towards. We're at least giving it a red hot go. And I'm saying to people, look, let's help Izzy out. I mean, it's not fair if he wins his case, but he still can't play. Here's an opportunity to lend him a hand and and, and fill out that campaign.
0: And I guess popular legend grows here because it's not lost on so many fans that the perception is that Israel Folau is still, like, the best player in the world. So that all plays into this, Martin. But uh, when it comes to uh, his connection, I mean, there was some consideration being given, wasn't there, from the club St. George Illawarra Dragons, uh, they wanted to sign Israel. But uh, what happens when that when that sort of move takes place is that there's a, a backlash that comes from all sorts of voices, perhaps corporate voices, media voices. What are your concerns uh, that those voices need to be perhaps uh, balanced by this movement that you're starting here?
1: Well, that's right, Neil. So St. George of Dragons uh, actually were on the brink of making him an offer and were quite keen to have him. But of course, that broke in the media and then it became a bit of trial by media. So the media just attacked the idea and they got all sorts of spokespeople to speak against it. And then there was a number of things that happened in the background with sponsors and with the NRL themselves Uh, The the, the governing body. Uh, And I just thought when that happened, I thought, well, what's missing from this picture? What's missing from this picture is the voice of the people. And we know that when he needed to raise money for his case, it was the voice of the people that got him over the line. That outpouring of support really was the thing that sustained Israel through all of that difficulty and ultimately made Rugby Australia give in. Uh, and so I thought, well, hey, we're missing the voice of the people this time. If it's trial by media, he loses. But if the people get to speak, you know, there's an opportunity that he gets some progress. And so that's why we've launched this campaign, so that the voice of the people could be heard directly in the inbox, if the uh, feedback inbox of in R- the NRL themselves and all of the clubs around Australia, you know, from the Broncos to the St. George Illawarra Dragons and others. So it's a great opportunity for us to raise our voice.
0: OK, let's just talk practically here for a moment, Martin. If someone right now is wanting to voice their opinion uh, in favour of Israel Folau, uh, what's the easiest way to support this campaign?
1: The easiest way is to simply go on your phone or your computer to lethimplay.com. Uh, and you'll arrive at a website, and it'll have Israel Flower's face on the top and a big Let In Play banner, and you just scroll down, and you fill in the form. Chuck your name in there, chuck in your, your your little message to NRL, click the button, and we take care of all the detail. It goes to the NRL, and they will get it, and it goes to all the NRL clubs around Australia so that they can hear your voice uh, and get your support for easy.
0: Okay, lethimplay.com. Uh, an easy thing to do, and perhaps there'll be some listening to our conversation right now might like to just pause and uh, and uh, put their mark on that particular opportunity to have your voice known. Hey, there's lots of big issues, Martin. One of those, uh, let's talk about the uh, women's issues that are going on right now here in Australia. They are not relenting. Uh, Federal politics is in the spotlight. Women's issues right up there. Uh, What are your thoughts for the Prime Minister? And uh, he suddenly looks like the bad guy in a whole lot of the things that have been happening around the Parliament House scandals.
1: Well, yes. I mean, there's a lot of sad things going on here and um, it's a very, very difficult one to untangle because it's this strange combination of real injustices and real problems, but then sort of political games at the same time. And so it's kind of hard to find out what's the way through. And I guess the first thing to say is that some of the problems that are being highlighted in recent weeks are very real and we've got to uh, acknowledge that and, and, and deal with it. For example, people like me who have had a reasonably long association now with places, with Parliament House, we've always known, everybody in Canberra knows, everyone in the political bubble knows what a dreadful place it is for uh, its, uh, it's just the, the, it's a bit of a cesspool, let's just put it that way without going into detail. It's a very nice place. And it's a dangerous place, I always say to young Christians who are going to work there. Um, Now, that's been known for a long time. The other thing is that, of course, we know that women are too often mistreated. Uh, That does happen. Uh, And indeed, it's a minority of men who do the wrong thing by women. Uh, And so women uh, feel uh, a sense of their own personal security and safety very deeply. Um, And so those things are very real. But it's gone a little bit wrong in this sense. What's happening here is being conveniently weaponized against the prime minister for political purposes, when he's actually not really the bad guy here. I mean, he's a guy with no blemishes on his record in this regard, indeed quite the opposite. We know how he prizes his family and we know what a family man he is. but also he's not the guy who controls the workplace culture of parliament house people sometimes fall into the mistake of thinking he's a bit of a dictator and he can do whatever he wants and he snaps his finger and servants come and go and all that it's not like that this is a incredibly complex organism with management structures and hierarchies and all the rest of it i mean parliament house for those that have been it's a bit like a little city it's got its own facilities and post office and all the rest of it it's a big place. but the protest movement itself that's that's sort of being fanned by all of this, it's opportunistically happening in an election year. These problems have been going on for ages. The media have known about them for ages. It's, it's opportunistic that they're suddenly fanning it up into a big flame now in an election year in order to tar the government's reputation, specifically Scott Morrison's reputation, with women because they know what the polls are saying, which is that the female vote is the government's biggest weakness, and the polling indicates that. And I've been saying this could end up being Scott Morrison's Black Lives Matter moment, where Trump actually had Black Lives Matter tar him as a white supremacist enabler, which was just a most bizarre turn of events, as if he was personally the bad guy. And I think that the Women's March for Justice is now turning Scott Morrison into personally the bad guy. Um, And they're very clear that they share the same sort of ideologies as Black Lives Matter. You can go to their website, you can read it all, it's all there, it always is. Uh, And so that's the tragedy of this. There's real injustices that have happened, but uh, this being weaponised into a political bunfight against Scott Morrison himself, and that makes no sense. And the media know, and those who are against Scott Morrison and the Liberal Party know, that if they make this election year about women the government loses, and that's what this is all about.
0: It is likely, though, that there's going to be a boiling over on both sides of politics, and that may well be something of a circuit breaker that uh, that does stop that. But I can see what you're saying here. If uh, if ScoMo has a Black Lives Matter issue uh, in Australia and it's around women and women's safety, then he's in perhaps uh, some challenging Uh, predicaments here because he's the leader and people are looking to him uh, to solve what really is a grassroots cultural issue here and uh, and I wonder whether you've got any thoughts here Martin around the fact that uh, this is not some sort of a, a, a an issue that can be resolved necessarily from the top it really is a grassroots thing although does leadership does come from the top any thoughts around that?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I think that um, there are probably leadership decisions Scott Morrison can take around this. Uh, and one of the things I think he's tried to do is um, get Christian Porter out of his cabinet, get Linda Reynolds out of the cabinet, get Andrew Lamming out of the party. So he's, he's targeted individuals who have been held up as, as, as bad examples in this regard. Um, but in terms of what's going on within the staffing culture of the parliament, which, as I said, many of us have known about for a long time, It's very hard to get the genie back in the bottle on that. Uh, I mean, I've spoken about this recently in The Truth of It, and, uh, you know, there are probably workplace codes that can be put in place that could be ruthless on this, although it will be resisted strongly at the grassroots level, because, uh, you know, I think that Christians have had the answer to this for a very long time, and it is basically that sexual purity is a virtue. And once you believe that it's a virtue, then you not only honor it in yourself, but you honor it in other people as well. And you don't drag other people into misconduct uh, and you don't tempt other people and do all those sorts of things. Whereas once you throw that out, you give everybody this raging appetite to indulge themselves And who knew, but that turns out quite badly. Who knew, but men actually push the boundaries once they're roaming around with that kind of mindset. You know, who knew, but that was the beginning of sorrows, effectively. And we're reaping what we've sown. Uh, And I think that the only way to overcome this is to either make people embrace that virtue again, or to write that clearly into employment policies and say, do you know what? There is to be none of these shenanigans anywhere whatsoever. But I just don't think people have the appetite for that kind of restriction. And I think that's the problem we're facing. And I don't believe it's just parliament. I believe this is a society wide thing. And I just wonder, you know, it it seems to me that more and more Christians are becoming the odd ones out on these cultural issues And maybe in that way, the Christian witness is actually to be enhanced and amplified. And that's the sadness, I guess. I think Scott Morrison's own personal life is probably a good Christian witness on this issue. And it's a shame to see him tarred in this way. But I think there is an opportunity for Christians to be different, to stand out. And that starts at the grassroots.
0: Something to perhaps be aware of, Martin, when it comes to these sorts of issues. As you say, this might be ScoMo's Black Lives Matter issue, and it's around women's safety. Uh, There is a certain sense here, isn't there, that uh, everyone agreed that black lives do matter and everyone agrees that women's safety does matter. But there is a political way of perverting the way that the political narrative goes along the lines of Marxist uh, political uh, issues at hand. Is there a risk here that we're likely to see this escalate in an election year, as you say, if uh, the opposition parties see that as an opportunity to be be able to uh, attack the prime minister
1: yes absolutely and i think that's precisely what's going on and so what i would say to people very often is just be very careful about the way that real injustices or real problems are politicized that's where you can get problems so for example if you look at black lives matter what was what was the real issue the real issue was that actually in, in african-american communities in america there are very challenging systemic social issues right everybody cares about that everybody wants to resolve that uh and black lives matter played on that reality and that concern that people have in order to advance a purely marxist political agenda that resulted in a whole year of violence in american cities so That's the problem. It's when the real issue gets weaponized into a perverse political end. And I think that happens in many ways, another one being right here, where you've got a a major issue, which is that a young woman has been very tragically raped. There's been other instances of sexual misconduct. Now, the appropriate answer for those things is they need to go to court and the people responsible need to go down for committing those crimes. And if we have problems in the justice system preventing that, we need to reform them. But the way this has been perversely politicized now into a protest movement against Scott Morrison uh, is wrong. And again, it's progressing a political agenda uh, that's against Scott Morrison, that's against white men of privilege and all the rest of it, and all the usual identity politics mumbo jumbo that we've come to be familiar with. So I say to people, acknowledge the injustices, but be careful once they become political protest movements, because they can often be bent right out of shape and they can often be serving a cause uh, that we need to be really smart about and really discerning about.
0: Uh, this won't be the last time we'll be talking about this, Martin, and uh, very good to be informed about the way things appear to be developing and also to be reminded, I might say, that the challenge that there is before every Christian believer to model those virtues of purity that we understand from the Bible. Hey, Let's touch on quickly the South Australian euthanasia bill, uh, the debate on the voluntary assisted dying bill recommences this wednesday in the upper house what ought we know about that
1: yeah so 31st of march in the upper house that's when the debate on euthanasia recommences in south australia Uh, We have a campaign on this at our website, acl.org.au. And the reason I would encourage people to engage in that campaign and to oppose euthanasia, which I must say, many people don't understand the seriousness of this issue. Many people are not particularly motivated by it. But I would encourage people to get motivated because euthanasia changes the whole psychology of our healthcare system, whereby for the first time you actually have the law saying to doctors and to health professionals that killing someone is a valid form of healthcare. Now we don't believe that at the moment and that really inverts the whole practice of medicine. The idea that to end somebody's health problems, it is appropriate sometimes to end their life. And that principle starts as a little seed and it grows and it grows and it grows until you end up with what we see in uh, countries overseas that have had euthanasia laws for the longest, whereby you actually have disabled children being euthanized and dying simply because they're disabled and people decide their life isn't worth it. You have dementia patients who can't consent to their euthanasia being euthanized at a significant rate. You have people dying simply because they've gone to a doctor and said, I'm tired of life, I'm an alcoholic, or my vision's failing, or I had a gender reassignment operation and it went wrong. All these, and these are real reasons given, and they die, they get killed. And that kind of culture of death is a nasty, nasty thing, and it's particularly nasty for the elderly amongst us, because the elderly amongst us, all of a sudden, when they get old and frail, and they start to feel like a burden, and they have people who are looking for an inheritance, uh, all of a sudden, they come under pressure that actually, just to end everything sooner and make it easier for everybody, that's all of a sudden a valid option. They don't have to go through the suffering and, make other, and burden other people with their existence. And the... We've seen from surveys that many a euthanasia patient actually makes the decision because they feel like they're a burden to others. That's tragic. So I'd say to people, for the sake of the elderly and for the sake of the culture of healthcare in Australia... This is important to oppose, and the South Australian bill is dreadfully flawed. Uh, it doesn't require the, you know, the physician in question, the treating physician, to be informed. Uh, it, uh, it it's got very dodgy parameters around how long the person's supposed to live for, six to twelve months. Well, how do the doctors know that? Frankly, they don't. The use of the suicide drug is self-reported, and so they give them the suicide drug, they go home with it, and then self-report how how it gets used. That's rife for abuse. So this is a bad law before it even gets started on a very bad idea. So people should oppose it and there is a campaign available at acl.org.au.
0: And there's lots of those bad laws already have gone before in other states, and so for South Australians, your opportunity to speak up now. You're advising people, Martin, uh, be in touch with Premier Stephen Marshall and the Upper House MPs in South Australia to reject the bill. Uh, No doubt, there's some detail there for listeners to get some guidance on how they might be in touch uh, with South Australian political leaders on the ACL website, acl.org.au. That's the website for the Australian Christian Lobby. And uh, you'll find that detail too there, no doubt, about the lethimplay.com website where you can support Israel out Lots of things to speak up about. So acl.org.au. Martin Niles, always so good getting your insights. Thanks so much for your update today on 2020. Thanks, Neil. Always a pleasure.